0: It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee.
1: Strength
2: in the Lord, Lord, as we come to this time together, we need to hear
1: Your Word. And we needed to cut sharply across the darkness of our hearts. And we need you to come, O Father of Light, come and deal with my heart. Thank you, Jesus.
2: Lord, you've promised me today that you would come in great power. I wait upon you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. David was so depressed. He was so depressed. He was discouraged. He didn't know how he was going to make it through the next step. He thought all was lost.
1: His friends had turned against him and wanted to even kill him. They were saying things to him that were harsh. They were judging him. He felt totally unloved. He felt totally shut out. He felt totally hopeless. Any of you ever feel that
2: way? He was at the point of utter despair. Why was he in despair?
1: Why was he depressed? Why was he discouraged? There is always a very simple answer for confusion, despair, discouragement, The answer is always the same.
2: The answer is sin.
1: Sin brings absolute despair to our hearts. It brings confusion to our spirits. Sin always brings to us a sense of hopelessness. And any time you find yourself feeling hopeless, Discouraged, in despair, know that the reason is very simple. It's not complicated. You don't have to go to a psychiatrist to figure out why you're in despair. Know that you're in despair because there is sin in your life. And if that sin problem can be dealt with, the despair is gone. The discouragement is washed away. The difficulty comes if we so love our sin that we'll even put up with depression and discouragement.
2: Because we love our sin.
1: We love the paths of darkness so much that we absolutely refuse to turn to the Lord and repent. Then we have to go to a psychiatrist,
2: and he'll teach us how to cope with our sin.
1: And he'll walk beside us and he'll have us do all kinds of things, beat on pillows, get your anger out. I've only learned that the anger comes out one way, called
2: repentance. The only way the anger is going to come out otherwise, I'm just being taught how to manage my anger. Repentance. Well, let's look at David. 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter, David has been playing with the Philistines. Isn't that sin? He hasn't
1: been at the side of God's people because he feels so badly about how they've treated him. He's over here with the Philistines. And the Philistines are at war with God's people. Now, that's a surprise, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what Philistines do? They come and fight against God's people. And so when we go align ourselves with the Philistines, we know it's a setup. And then it happens, and oh, we're discouraged. It's hopeless. What am I going to do? Well, just get out of the Philistines camp. Get with God's people. Come and be a part of what Jesus is doing. Now, some of you come today, and there's discouragement in your
2: heart. And you're despairing.
1: I hope by the time we're finished, you're repenting. I mean, how long can you feel sorry for yourself before you finally have to say, You know, I'm kind of tired of this. How long can you whine before finally you say, there has to be an answer? I don't make light of feeling bad. I was up in the wee hours of this morning on my face before God, weeping because there was sin in my heart. The Lord dealt with that sin. I confessed it. And the strangest thing happened. As soon as I confessed that sin and turned away from it, joy came into my heart. Joy came into my spirit. Now it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Confusion, depression, discouragement always come from the enemy, and they always come because we're camped out with the Philistines. Hope, joy, joy, expectation always come from the same source, the cross, from Jesus. It's simple. So here we find David, he's been camping with the Philistines, and the Philistines reject him. Oh, what a horrible. I mean, we've rejected God and gone over to the Philistines, and the Philistines reject us. I mean, that makes us about as low as you can get.
2: I mean, how do you get any lower? Nobody loves me. I'm going to go eat worms. And I, for one, have had my share of worms. Have you? Are you currently? We're just looks utterly without hope. You don't see any way through. Then watch out
1: because today that canyon's going to open up before you. I want to show you something in the scriptures that just has set my feet
2: to dancing. It has brought joy
1: to my spirit. See, I used to commiserate with people who felt bad, I used to, I used to try to comfort them. There, there, it'll be better. No, it's going to get a lot worse. not going to get better, it's going to get worse. You're miserable now, you'll be more miserable tomorrow. The word comfort, I finally discovered, means to come forth with pain. So now when I meet someone like myself who is feeling quite miserable, I know the Holy Spirit is about to increase my misery because as he increases
2: my misery, I'll turn to him.
1: Now watch what happens. David comes back with his men to Ziklag in chapter 30, and he discovers that the whole town has been burned. Now this is what depression is about. It feels like everything in our hearts and lives has just been burned down. We've struggled so hard. We've tried so hard. We have worked so hard. And everything we've tried for has been destroyed. And we say, oh God, it's so hopeless. I can't ever do it. The town's burned down. My, my loved ones are gone. I can't, I can't have what I want. What am I going to do? Well, just have a good cry. So that's what this he-man David does. He begins to weep. And everybody around him begins to weep. And pretty soon the whole crowd, 600 warriors, with swords in their hands. The swords are on the ground. Their shields are on the ground. They've thrown off their armor and they're all wailing at the top of their lungs. They're crying. I didn't know soldiers were supposed to throw their weapons down and cry. But that's what they're doing. Moaning and groaning and complaining and threatening to stone David to death. I mean, would you have wanted to join that worthy band? The prerequisite for getting into this worthy band was to be able to weep crocodile tears to feel miserable, to
2: be depressed. They cry until they have
1: no tears left. Look, verse 3, when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, their wives and sons and daughters taken captives. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Now, when you get to that point, there's only one thing left. Kill yourself. I mean, you might as well just end it. I'm so miserable now,
2: put me out of my misery. There's no way I can win. And if I can't win, then I'll lose big. I mean, I can remember
1: when I was a kid in school taking a test and it was a self-graded test. I mean, the teacher gave the test back and said, okay, grade your tests. Well, I missed the first three questions, and I figured it was over. So I just marked them all wrong. I figured I'm going to mess this test up. I'm going to mess it up good.
2: So during recess, the teacher came out to me. He said, Raymond, come here. I came over to him.
1: He had my test in his hand. He said, did you grade this? Yes. Uh, Why'd you cheat? I didn't cheat. I gave myself an F. Well, you didn't get an F. I mean, I figured if I'm going to lose, I might as well lose it all. If it's going to be bad, we might as well make it really bad. I mean, I remember this sweet little girl in the second grade She was the prettiest little thing I think I'd ever seen in my life. I wrote her a note. I was a little farm boy. I couldn't talk to girls, but I could write. I wrote her a note. I said, I love you. Do you love me? Yes or no?
2: Check. She checked that box. No. (laughs) Boom. Bam. Sent that note back to me. Crushed. Destroyed. I wrote her another note. I hate you. Do you hate me?
1: This time she checked. Yes. And we were friends. We could agree on being enemies. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? David has wept until he can't weep anymore. They've gotten as low as they can get. There's not anything else they can do. They can't pull themselves up. They can't rescue themselves. Everything is destroyed. Their home is burned. Their children are gone. Their wives are gone. Everything is lost. They have been a brave band of soldiers. They have been running from King David, but they got messed up when they went over and started playing with the Philistines. And many of us have faced very difficult times. And because those times were so difficult, we said, well, at least I can go over and play with the Philistines. And when we went over and played with the Philistines, our soul was emptied of light. Our spirit was drained. And we said, everything is lost and it's hopeless. I've destroyed everything that was of value to me. I might as well just die. They were bitter of spirit.
2: And then we find this very short sentence in the scripture. But
1: David found strength in the Lord his God. And I ask you today, do you know how to find strength in the Lord your God? When everything is burned, when everything is destroyed, when it seems like the world is against you and no relationship is working, it looks like you've lost financially, everything is burned. Do you know how to come and find strength in the Lord? There was no priest who could help David. Abathur was just like everybody else. The priest of God was weeping like everybody else. He couldn't go to church and find help. He could only go to one source, and that was God. Do you know how to go to God and get your strength? Not to the Philistines. Not to the preacher. But to God and get your strength. I want to outline for you very quickly today how you have to gain strength In the Lord. I don't know of any other way to do it. The first step, if you're going to find strength in the Lord, is you have to go to Him. That sounds so simple. But it means you have to turn off all the distractions. It means you have to stop the crying. It means you have to go into God's presence. You have to get to God. If you don't get to God, you're going to die. So give up all your theology. Give up all your rights and wrongs. Give up everything that you think you know and just get to God. God knows how to fix it. God knows how to fix the marriage. God knows how to fix the finances. God knows how to fix the health. God knows how to fix whatever it is that's broken And in your playing with the Philistines, you have created havoc in your life. God knows how to fix that. And he's willing to fix it.
2: But if he's going to fix it, you're going to have to go wait on
1: God. David could not go into God's presence, and suddenly everything was bright and rosy because there was a work that had to be accomplished in David's heart. And that work is repentance. Turning away from the sin of playing with the Philistines. And God wants that work accomplished. And as that work is accomplished, he will speak into our lives the healing that is necessary to take away the discouragement and the despair and the depression He will turn that aside as an enemy.
2: There's a psalm. I have stood on this psalm.
1: If you were to look in my Bible, you would find January 1, 1991, I found this psalm. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal it to me. He began to unfold it for me. Then you would find notations for 1992, 93, 94, all the way up to 2004. You would find constantly, I've gone back to this psalm.
2: Psalm 27.
1: I've gone back to this psalm over and over, and I tell you today, in this psalm, I have found strength in God.
2: Now when I'm in utter despair,
1: you won't find me going to the Philistines to find a fix. You won't even find me coming to my brothers and sisters to try to gain strength. You'll find me on my face before God with his psalm open. Because it's this psalm that has brought me into the presence of Almighty God. I want first to just read the whole psalm for you.
2: Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation.
1: Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foe attack me, they will stumble and fall Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though a war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask
2: of the Lord. This is what I seek. That I may dwell
1: in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of
2: you, seek his face.
1: Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out. Violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the
2: Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. When your heart is utterly crushed, when you're broken,
1: When there is absolutely no hope, when you look around and it looks like the earth has been scorched with fire and everything you've worked for has gone up in smoke, it's at that time that if you will come into the Lord's presence and you will simply begin to wait in his presence, he will come and meet you. He will come and meet you. You don't have to come into his presence saying anything. Just come into his presence. Get in your prayer closet. Come before the Lord God of heaven. Lay on the floor in his presence. Wait on him. You don't have to say anything, just wait on him. There is something about God's children coming into the presence of the Lord and just waiting on him that gives the heart of God such joy. There's nothing that quickens my heart as much as my sweetheart coming to me and saying,
2: I just want to be with you. She didn't want anything from me. She just is asking, can I be with you? Can we be together? Well, what do you want to do, sweetie? No, I just want you to hold me. That's all you want? So. Do you think I
1: wouldn't put my arms around my sweetheart and hold her as long as she wants me to hold her? With joy in my heart I hold her. God just wants us to come into his presence and wait on him. And say, I just want to be with you. Lord God of heaven, I just want to wait on you. I'm not coming to you with any demands. I just come with a broken heart. I just come with the sin, with the way I've messed up. I just come after I've played with the Philistines. And Lord God, I just need to come and wait on you. I need to hear from you now. Some of us have heard from everybody else. We've heard we've heard all the judgments. You know, there isn't anything nasty you can say to me that's going to touch me because I've said a lot nastier things about myself. You know, I don't need you to beat up on me. I'm great at beating up on myself. But I tell you what, when I come into the presence of God, he never once has beat me up. When I come into the presence of God... And I say, oh God, I just need to wait on you. He has never beat me up. He's never condemned me. He's never cast me aside. He's always brought me close to his heart. He's always poured out his mercy on me. Now after some time, he'll begin to talk with me about those things that separate my heart and his and he'll begin to talk to me about what he wants me to do to get that mess cleaned up. He'll say, now lay that aside. Don't do that anymore. It's almost as though he's saying, look, would you stop hurting yourself that way? I mean, that knife is sharp. Would you stop cutting yourself with it? Would you just lay it down? You don't need that anymore. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? That sharp tongue. That viper that strikes so quickly from our heart when we feel defensive. The Lord begins to say to me, you don't need to say that anymore. You don't need to do that anymore. Just lay that aside. It's not helpful to you. It hurts you. You see, one thing I've learned about my Lord, he doesn't get any joy out of crushing me, He gets joy out of restoring my soul. He gets joy out of encouraging my heart. He gets joy out of drawing me out of the arms of the Philistines into His arms. You know, this walk with the Lord God of heaven is about righteousness and holiness. It's about His righteousness, and it's about His holiness. And he's not a God who condemns. The scripture calls his work of judgment a strange work. Why does it refer to it as a strange work? Because God, by his very nature, does not want to condemn. He wants to build up. So it's strange to God when he has to cast people into the pit of fire. That's strange to God. That's not how God normally operates. The God we serve has a heart of great compassion and love and mercy. And he sees the struggle we're walking in. And he says, look, would you just come on and spend some time with me? Come and wait on me. Let me heal that brokenness. Let me restore what the enemy has done to break your heart. And some of you today have relationships that are broken. You have You have children you're not in relationship with, or you have husbands or wives that that things are just not right with. And the Lord God of heaven doesn't come to you today and say, how could you mess up like that? He doesn't say that to you. He says, come and just spend some time with me. Come and wait on me. Some of you have messed up so badly, and you'd love to go to that loved one and say, I'm so sorry. But they've heard it so many times before. And you know, going to them and saying, I'm sorry, isn't going to work. They're going to say, Yeah, right.
2: No. You don't go wait on your
1: loved one, you go wait on God. Because God is the healer of relationships, you're not the healer of relationships. God is the healer of relationships. God is the one who restores what is broken. If if you could do it, you wouldn't need a savior. But God, in his great compassion and mercy, says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what is rest? Cessation. Stopping. What are you stopping? Stopping. You're stopping your love affair with the Philistines because you found a love affair with Jesus Christ that is far greater than that with the Philistines.
2: So this whole psalm, I just give it to you as a gift today. Wait on the Lord. Now there's another part to this To this picture of waiting on God. And Jesus spoke of it in Matthew, the 26th chapter. This is a time of great testing for Jesus. It's a time
1: that is very painful for Jesus. Jesus is now waiting on the Father, He was there for at least three hours. He was saying, is it possible to have this cup taken from me? But your will be done. He's waiting on the Father. And in the process of waiting on the Father, he is strengthened. His disciples are asleep. Oh, how many times I've said in my heart, if I could have only been a disciple and if only I could have been there to put my arms around God when God needed the arms of a human being around him. But I have to tell you, I'd have been sound asleep too. We humans just can't meet God's need. But the Father could meet his need. And he's waiting on the Father. And in the midst of waiting on the Father, he makes this incredible statement, verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak.
2: I want to live a righteous life, God, but I'm so weak. Jesus knows that.
1: That doesn't take him by surprise. But what he says to us is, watch. In other words, Look, if you want to deal with this weakness of the flesh, open your eyes and watch what's going on and get conscious. Wake up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. In other words, there's only one way the devil can get you to go play with the Philistines. That's if you're asleep and unconscious.
2: But if you're watching and you're praying,
1: That means you're waiting on God. If you're waiting on God, Satan can't touch you. That's why we're called a national prayer chapel. Because God is calling a people who can't be touched by the devil. He's calling a people who are not righteous in themselves, but are righteous in Jesus Christ. He's calling for a people who know how to humbly wait on God we're not going to go out and do some great deal for God. We're going to wait on God and he's going to do some great deal and it's called revival. See, God is the one who initiates healing. God is the one who initiates reaching out and saving us. We're in depression. We're discouraged. There's no hope. Everything is burned and God says, come here, wait on me sounds an awful lot like God saying, come on, get in my
2: lap, let me hold you. You ever do that when you were a kid? Go
1: get in your mom or dad's lap. That's what God's saying to us. Come on, let me hold you. He's saying, watch and pray. What is prayer? Prayer is opening the heart to God as to a friend. It's just opening our hearts and saying, Oh God, this is what's gone on. This is why I'm so miserable, God. You know, I'll tell you what.
2: When my daughters were scared to death of the dark, thought something was under their bed,
1: when the light got turned on and they were sitting in daddy's lap, they weren't afraid of the dark anymore when the light gets turned on by Jesus Christ and you're sitting on his lap you're not afraid anymore
2: hallelujah you're not afraid anymore
1: you're praying it's almost as though god is saying come here and sit on my lap and let's have a conversation Did you know a conversation is two parts? It's almost like playing a volleyball game. I hit the ball to you, you hit the ball back. I hit the ball to you, you hit the ball back. In other words, I talk, and then God talks. And I talk, and then God talks. That's what he's describing for us when you come and wait on God and you're so broken that you can't say anything, let God talk. And as he begins to speak to your heart, as he begins to heal the wounds of your heart, you'll gain enough strength to pour out to him what the issue is about. And as you pour out to God how you feel and what's going on, then shut up and let him talk some.
2: Let him deal with your heart.
1: And after you've heard God talk again for a bit, then go back and say what you need to say to him. This is waiting on God. This is fellowshipping with Jesus. Jesus isn't here to condemn you. He's not here to break your marriage. He's not here to make things difficult for you. He's not here to cast you aside He's here to draw you into his heart. He's here to draw your marriage into his heart. He's here to draw your life into his heart. He wants to spend eternity with you. He's not a suitor who comes and plays with your emotions and casts you aside. He's in this for keeps.
2: He's got a marriage proposal on the table.
1: I remember when Jan came to visit me. I'd invited her to come and visit. She lived in Florida and I lived in Washington. and She was coming for the first time. I was scared.
2: I mean, I'd only spoken to her for a few minutes
1: in person. And then we'd been talking on the telephone. And I was going to the airport to pick her up. I drove to National Airport and I picked her up, met her at the gate. I wasn't sure I'd even recognize her, but I did. She was the most beautiful vision of light. There was no question. The whole place was lit up. As she came toward me, you know, I could only say one thing to her when we got in the car I want you to know, Jan. What my
2: intentions with you are? She looked at me. I said, "I intend to marry you."
1: Now you can decide whatever you want. You're free, but coming to this weekend to spend this weekend with me and with my daughters, I just want you to know it's my intention to marry you.
2: She didn't say a word. <laughs> Later she told me, that's what won her heart. I want to lay it out straight for you today. It is Jesus' intention to marry you. He's got a proposal on the table for you. And he's not going to play with you. He laid his life down for you.
1: He offered to you the cup, which was the symbol in that culture of a marriage proposal. And we're headed toward the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's not God's intention today to cast you down. It's not God's intention to discourage you. It's not God's intention to oppress you or to treat you harshly.
2: It's the intention of God to pick you up and to carry you all the way to heaven.
1: But there is the matter of the Philistines that has to be dealt with. There are those things that we have said. There are those things that we have done as we have, like David, gone and played with the Philistines, and he's saying, will you just let those things go? Will you cut them off? Will you no longer play with darkness? You see, he's the father of lights, and all good gifts come from heaven, from the father of lights. And light and darkness don't mix. And so he's saying, Would you please come and would you just wait on me? Would you watch and would you be awake so that the enemy can't come upon you and harm you or hurt you? We're still in a battle zone. There's still an enemy out there, and he wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your work relationships. He wants to destroy anything he can destroy. He wants your children. He wants to kill them. If he can get you with drugs, he'll get you there. If he can get you with gambling, he'll get you. If he can get you with pornography, if he can get you with cheating or lying, if he can get you with a bitter spirit, whatever he can get you with, he wants to destroy your life. And the Lord Jesus is saying to you, would you watch? It's almost as though God is saying, Look, you've got to cross this busy street. Would you make sure the semi-truck doesn't hit you while you cross it? Will you watch? How many times when you were a kid did your mom or dad take you by the hand and say, look, watch. Is there any traffic coming? Don't run in front of a car. Don't chase your ball in front of the car. And some of us have focused so much on our playthings that we dash into the street, and the semi-truck hits us, and we say, where are you, God? Why is this happening to me? Because you ran into the street in front of the semi after your toys. Lord is saying, watch. Be awake.
2: Look before you leap. And pray talk to me. You no, know, I, I think the angels
1: must look at us and say to themselves there is no creature in all of God's creation that has such quick access to the throne room. We don't even have that kind of quick access. We have to go and wait in line to get access to God. But these human beings have instant access. Why do you suppose it is that they so seldom come?
2: <laughs> I don't care what it
1: is today that you're facing. Finances, health, marriage, children, Personal despair, whatever it is, it came about because of sin. It came about because of your time with the Philistines. The Lord God of heaven is saying today,
2: "Would you just come and waste time with me. Would you just come and waste time with me? Would you open your eyes so that the trucks don't hit you anymore? Would you just come and talk to me? Come and be in my presence. I love you. And God will make right the wrong. He'll set the marriage straight. He'll set the job straight. He'll set the in-laws straight. and he'll set the outlaws straight. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. The hand of God is not too short. You need a miracle today? And go wait on God. You need healing today? Go wait on God. Find strength in
1: God. Now, the rest of the story, David comes out of his time of waiting on God. He comes out of this time of of gathering strength in God, and he says, Abather. and he begins to issue orders. Suddenly, he is so strong, he can tell the priest what he'd better do. And the priest now depends on his strength in God. And all of the men, he's got to pull 600 men in utter despair. He's got to pull them out of the muck and the mire. And he's got to pull them out of that and set them in place to go to battle against the Amalekites. And one man who was willing to go to God and get strength from God pulled 600 warriors out of the mud and together they went and defeated the Amalekites. See, we don't need thousands at the National Prayer Chapel. We just need one or two who will wait on God.
2: Because it's not the National Prayer Chapel that will bring revival to Washington. It's God who will bring revival to Washington. It's Jesus. So what are you going to do? You got a few more tears yet yet left
1: to cry? Do you have a few more moans to make? Or are you all out of tears and all out of groaning and moaning? You recognize you're broken and you can't fix it. You can't take care of what you've done. You can't repair the mess you've made. But there is one who can.
2: Will you go wait on him? Will you turn off the Philistines and go wait on God?
1: You see, I've come to this place with the Lord. I have found such strength in coming to the Lord that when I'm in the Lord's presence, I can say, Lord, whether I live or die, it's all right. As long as I die in your arms, I know I'll never die. Because you're going to carry me all the way across. So I don't need to come and prove anything. I don't need to come and win anything. I don't need to come and convince anybody. All I've got to do is stay right there in Jesus and let him carry me. And some of you today need Jesus to come and pick you up.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195 or visit us online at com. God bless you. We love you. Break down every idol, cast out. Throne in the sky, please help me to make a complete sacrifice. I give up myself and would it is-